The Gospel lessons written in the seventh chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 24th verse. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Since we have a new projector this morning, I have 21 slides to show you in the sermon. <laughs> Throughout my life, I have been blessed to see the awesome witness of lives lived in love of Jesus. Many faithful believers have demonstrated for me the actions and attitudes of faithfulness to the Word of God. One of those Christians is a woman who lived near me in the East Mountains. Many years ago, when our daughters were still teenagers, she told me this story. Each morning, she and her beautiful young daughter woke up early to milk cows. This meant that the two of them took a walk at dawn each day together over to the area where the cows were kept. One morning, Glorying in the beauty of the landscape highlighted by a rising sun, she said to her daughter, Maybe today will be the day. The day for what? asked her daughter. She answered, Maybe today will be the day that Jesus comes again. Her daughter added, Maybe he'll come before we have to milk the cows. Teenage comments aside, I often think of that witness. The sheer joy and confidence in Christ's words, in his promises, including the promise that he will come again. Our focus as Christian believers is on the glory of God and his awesome power and love. We acknowledge that he is the Almighty and we are but dust. We trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ as our hope and salvation. You know, today there's some confusion about what the gospel actually is. Our popular culture often espouses ideas about Christianity that are at odds with true biblical Christianity. So we're going to talk about some unchristian things that are being bandied about in contemporary American culture. Strangely, many people think these ideas are Christian. So today we're going to discuss three things. What these false beliefs are, what Christianity really teaches, 
and what we can do with this understanding. An important study has been going on over the past decade researching the religious beliefs of American teens and young adults. The study's been published in three installments. Christian Smith is the author. Soul Searching is the first volume compiling the initial findings. You know, we all have preconceived ideas about what modern culture is doing to the faith of young people. This research demonstrates that some of our assumptions about youth and religion in the U.S. are well off the mark. We might assume that there's hostility towards religion, but this study indicates that instead the spiritual life is something young people are interested in. Another important finding is that in every area of our culture, the kids echo their parents' faith life to an astonishing degree. Sadly, this is hardly a formula for vibrant faith since the parents are sometimes lacking in understanding too. Even the ones who believe in God, and that's the majority, are shockingly illiterate about the things of God. In today's popular American culture, the term religious can have a bad connotation. It's often associated with an empty faith that's just about rote ritual and meaningless membership in an organization. Spiritual is the word everyone likes. Spiritual is identified with authentic and meaningful practice of belief. For the majority, though, nowadays, that belief system has been personally created. Spiritual but not religious is the new phrase, which is so popular and used to indicate a free-form rejection of organized religion, a unique, personally crafted belief system is created and held up as superior to ancient truths given to all people. This new spirituality is really a private quest. The individual is at the center of everything. Belief is all about the individual, having a happy life, being good, believing in a God that's there to serve them. There are five distinguishing characteristics of this new spirituality. We're going to look at them, and you'll notice all but one are at odds with traditional Christian faith. Now, the thing is that many of the young people who are espousing these false beliefs have no trouble calling themselves Christians. And actually, I've discovered the same is true of some adults in America. It's the popular cultural myth in our society. It's so pervasive that it even slips into the thought process of those who've grown up in the church. So let's look at the five key characteristics that are outlined in this study. Here's the first one. A God exists who created and orders the world and watches over human life on earth. This is the only one of the five beliefs that is Christian. A creator God is acknowledged, one who continues to be involved in the world and lives of human beings. As Christians, 
We can agree with this first point. Now, here's the second characteristic. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Be good, nice. Well, yes, Jesus teaches us to love God and our neighbors. But the statement makes another assertion, too. There's also an assumption that the great variety of world religions share a single moral view. So then these religions are seen as basically the same thing, each one as good as the next. The background idea here is that all religions must contain wisdom, And no one religion could actually be true. So here's the deal. Anyone can just pick and choose the bits and pieces from each one, putting them together in a way that feels best for them. This is such a common idea in our culture that I suspect many of you have been exposed to it. Perhaps people have even challenged you about your Christian faith because of this stance. I've actually even been told off many times uh, because of this, even here at church. That's how serious and pervasive this is. The idea that this is what most religions teach and that they are all equal is completely wrong. Part of the wrongheadedness is the idea that all religions are about honoring the same God. This confusion over many gods and the one true God is nothing new. The Apostle Paul lived in a society that had many gods. The Roman Empire had multiple deities in Paul's age. As Paul preaches to the worshipers of this divine multitude, does he say that all the gods they praise are the equal of Jesus Christ? Of course not. If all paths are equal... Why does Paul set out on his missionary journeys at all? Why does he endure beatings, imprisonment, and eventually death to share the gospel if other beliefs are just as good? And why would we today send missionaries into Eastern Europe and other parts of the world as well to share the Bible and the good news of Jesus? If all paths are equal, missionary work makes no sense. So we need to talk about what we believe as Christians. Here are some key points on what we believe. It's unique. God is in three persons, a trinity. Jesus is born as a man, yet he's also truly God. Jesus is crucified until death, and then he rises again on the third day. We are sinful beings who are forgiven our sins and gain eternal life only through our Lord Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross and our faith in him. We do not earn these blessings. They are gifts from our loving God. Now, this is all very specific. To reject any of it is to assault the deity of Jesus. The good news is that he has ransomed us from our sin, and heaven is for us, sinners, who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. 
but in great contrast to this Christian belief, an anything-goes attitude has a certain appeal in our society today. Everything's acceptable, and everything's fine. So then, no one would need a Savior, right? You see, no one would need Jesus because no one's a sinner. However, we are sinners. Denying it doesn't change the facts. The good news in Jesus is that our sin has been nailed to the cross. Salvation is in no other. Let's move on to the third characteristic of this new unchristian spirituality. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. So who's at the center of this idea? It surely isn't our almighty God. The focus of this new customized myth is always the self. This new spirituality focuses on feeling good and being happy. It's a product of our culture, which is sadly catered, overfed, self-involved, and overprotected. The purpose of life becomes self-fulfillment. It's a private quest for the nectar of self-esteem. In the words of Miss Piggy, it's all about moi. (laughs) Helping me be good and happy. Sounds weird to us as Christians, but the idea here is God exists to help moi get through stuff. Spirituality is then all about making moi feel better. Feeling good about moi and feeling good about being moi is where the focus is. This leads us right to the fourth characteristic. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when he's needed to resolve a problem. Wow, how wrong this is. Point four here is about the motivation for prayer. Prayer becomes all about moi needing help to resolve some trouble, bad feeling, or problem. God helps moi to succeed in life, to feel good and happy, and to help get along with others. For those who invest in this new myth, God is present as called upon, but aloof otherwise. In affairs where his presence is not requested, he doesn't need to be involved. This belief trivializes God to the point of making the Almighty a genie in a lamp, a servant with special powers. God's selectively available for taking care of needs. When you aren't needing his help, he just goes back in the lamp and leaves you alone. There's obviously confusion here over who is the servant and who is the Lord. Now here's the fifth idea of this modern American myth. Good people go to heaven when they die. We should be glad this one's not true, because heaven would be mighty empty. Jesus tells us that no one is good except God alone. That's in Luke 18, 19. We are poor, miserable sinners, consumed with self-interest. We're pitiful, continually sinning, failing to put God at the center of our lives. 
Jesus has come to save us from our sin, which is so embedded in our nature that we cannot free ourselves from it. Nothing we do earns us forgiveness. What Jesus did for us on the cross covers all our sin. Jesus has come to save sinners. He's borne the weight of my sin and yours on the cross. In thankfulness, we come to him repenting of our sin, resolving to turn away from our evil ways. Because of this and through our faith in him, we're given eternity in heaven, eternity in glory with him. The popular cultural myth rejects this. There's no repentance because everyone thinks they're a good person. There's no rejoicing in God's grace. To reject or trivialize sin is not Christian. But one of the worst words to say aloud in modern American society is sin. Because this new spirituality is becoming the mainstream of our cultural consciousness, true Christians are gradually becoming public enemy number one. This happened in the ancient world, and we see it starting to happen today as well. We must be able to speak clearly to these beliefs in our society, and to do that, we must know that such ideas are prevalent in our culture. I hope this message today is helping you to have a firmer grasp on this common cultural belief system and how you can discuss it. With the pervasiveness of non-Christian ideas in society today, it may seem like an insurmountable task to share the truth of Christian faith in a culture that rejects it. But you know what? We have the same Holy Spirit that was with the apostles 3,000 years ago. They shared the word of the gospel, and it spread around the world like wildfire. Romans 10:17 tells us, faith comes from hearing. If people are to hear the true word of God, we must speak it. If people are to believe the truth, we must share it. When the people in your life say to you they are Christians, have a conversation. If you find they believe in traditional biblical Christianity, you have solidarity with them. If you discover they've absorbed some of the popular cultural myth, you can be a blessing to them. You'll be introducing them to the joy of the gospel, the truth of God's love for them. Amen.